the race, looking at the Commonwealth Games and looking at our race, our lives, it's a metaphor that Paul uses really throughout the, the New Testament. He loves the metaphor of a race. And actually, so do I. That might surprise you. Uh, I did couch to 5K in lockdown, and I'm now doing 5K to couch. And there is an app. Um, I'm going to sell that app on if anybody's interested in that one. It's so much more enjoyable than the first one. Um, but in all seriousness, as we've looked at these postures, we've looked at fleeing, we've looked at chasing, we've looked at fighting, um, as we heard brilliantly from Olivia last week, in terms of our race. But now we're looking at holding on. So holding on. And in this really one verse from 1 Timothy, we have the encouragement from Paul to Timothy to hold on. And how do we hold on in the Christian life? How do we hold on when times are tough? How do we, uh, as Paul says, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? So this is what Paul says to Timothy. Fight the good fight. We heard that last week from Olivia. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession among many witnesses. And so Paul is urging Timothy, do not forget who you are running for. And I felt that was a good question for us at the start of this talk to think about. Who are we running for in our lives? Because most of us would say, I know the answer, it's Jesus. You know, it's a bit of a Sunday school thing. We know that actually that's what we're taught, that the life that we're in is the focus is Jesus, that the goal is Jesus. But how often do we get distracted? Do we actually forget that he is the goal? And clearly for Timothy, he needed reminding. And so do we. Who are we running for? And I wonder, when we think about running, as we think about amazing athletes like we've just seen, there is a reminder to fix our eyes forwards. If you watched Ailish going through the finish, there was just that straining to get over the finishing line, that absolute joy as she crossed the line. And in Philippians, Paul says a similar thing about the race and about holding on. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Not looking back, Paul says, but actually straining towards the goal, the goal that is heavenward. And I felt really, as I was praying for this morning and thinking about it, that very, very often our past can hold us back. 
And Paul's saying that now. We're living lives of freedom if we believe in the forgiveness and, of Jesus. And yet we can run with an, a, a sort of eye over our shoulder. We can run like this and lose pace and lose focus. And you remember, even if you're not a particular runner or you are, you remember that training, never to turn your head, not to look back or to look into the other lanes. You know, you noticed in the clip that the only reason that the runner saw Eilish coming on the side of her was on the screen because she was fixed forward. She was not looking back. And comparison can make us lose pace as we look to the left and look to the right. But Paul says, no, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Run for him. Why should we do that? And what does that even mean to live our lives for him? Well, it means a daily acknowledgement that he is the reason that we're living, that he is the very breath, as we've just sung. He is the motivation for all of our training, even in our hardships, to keep looking at him. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, says Paul in Hebrews. And interestingly, when Paul wrote to the Hebrews, they were in a state of giving up. His whole letter to the Hebrews is about hanging on. It's about don't give up on your race. Hebrews 12, if you think of Hebrews 11, he lists all the heroes of the faith. And then in Hebrews 12, he says, hang on. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of your faith. And there are two reasons that we should look to Jesus. One is, of course, the death and crucifixion of Jesus. Why? Because that's where our past is laid down. That's where we are under the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy of Jesus. And whatever you've done today, whether you're joining us at home, whether you're here in the room, he forgives you. There is no sin too great that his love is not deeper still, is not greater still. So as we hold on to him, we hold on to the cross we hold on to that grace and that forgiveness. Uh, we uh, quite often chat to people from a, another church over in Hale Zoen, and their leader, Leon Evans, uh, was talking about holding on to the cross. And he, like we've done in the past, managed to get hold of some crosses. Some of you might have them. And these are used in chaplaincy. They're used at the children's hospital. They're used when people are perhaps facing their own death and mortality. And people are given these, whether it's a parent, or a child or somebody who's facing their own death literally to just hang on to to hold on to it to say Jesus you are the author and perfecter of my faith you're the reason I live and actually I trust you as I face my death and Leon talked about his own mother dying and they came to, to see her and he came after she had died and uh, came to, to just give her one final farewell and there in her hand as she had died, was a cross. That she had died holding on to Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith. In other words, she knew that as she lived and as she died, Jesus was in control. Proverbs 4 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your feet from evil. How do we do that? By accepting his grace daily, his mercy daily. 
You are all pure in his sight today, under his grace. And I love Corrie Ten Boom, uh, where she talks about your sins are at the bottom of the sea and there is a sign over it saying no fishing. Okay, and we all do it, don't we? We get the rod out and we say, oh, in 1976 I did this or yesterday I did that. I'm such a bad person. I'm not a good Christian. But actually, if Jesus is the reason we live, he is also the one that saves us from that past. He redeems that past for us. Keller says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that saves you. And I love that last line. <clears throat> and I would just say, really take that home. I was teaching at a camp uh, last week. I think it was last week or maybe the week before in Devon. And uh, there was a girl there who was running the youth team beautifully. She was serving beautifully. She was worshipping beautifully. But she just said to me, Judy, my faith is so fragile. One day I feel like the best Christian in the world. The next I feel totally, totally lost. And I said, that is the experience of many, many, many of us. And I showed her this quotation from Keller. It is not the strength of our faith, but the object of it. That we are running for a Jesus who gives you a second chance, a third chance, a 150th chance. Because of his love for you, because of his desire to be with you. He carries us and holds on to us. I love the bit in Superman where uh, Lois Lane is caught by uh, Superman and she looks at him, they're floating through the air and she's in his arms and she says, if you've got me, who's got you? And I think there's a bit of times in our life where we think, Jesus, have you really got me? But actually he points us heavenward. He points us heavenward because he knows the love of the Father for you. He knows how much, how deeply, how richly you are loved. So as he catches us, as we hold on to him, he says, I've got you. And put your name in there today, whatever you're facing. He says, I've got you and you've got me. This holding on posture is a mutual thing. We hold on to Jesus. We hold on to Christ. He is holding on to us. And he never lets go of your rope. He never lets go of your rope, ever. He is holding on to us. Isaiah says in 41 verse 13, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, for I will help you. And that's his promise to us. And I was reading Sam Albury talking about this, about how sometimes our life shrinks and we think this is all there is. We live this world and it's so enticing and sometimes so beautiful or so painful or whatever that we concentrate on this world. And anyone who knows me well will know this is a real challenge for me. I live in the moment. And Tim Chilvers will often say to me, do you get excited about heaven, Judy? And I'm like, oh, I'm just enjoying today, thank you. And I really have to train myself because I love this world so much and the people in it. I have to train myself as I'm preaching to you to fix my eyes on Jesus that this world is not all there is, that this is the training part for heavenward, for heavenward, that we've made our homes so deeply here 
that we've thought that the race ends here, when actually Paul says, no, you're, you're running for a finish that is way beyond anything you will ever experience, your best days here on earth. There is something so much more redeemed and beautiful ahead. C.S. Lewis, who talks so much about heaven. See, we've gone from Zoolander to C.S. Lewis. Do you like that transition? Uh, flight across the spectrum. To every soul, God will look like its first love because he is its first love. And your place in heaven will seem to be made just for you and you alone because you were made for it. Made for it stitch by stitch as a glove is made for a hand. Our place in heaven is made for us and we for it. We were always created to be heaven bound. And that is why we have a mission here as Riverside Church. We have a mission to share that with everybody that we meet. Because if we really are running for Jesus, we want others who were created to go heavenward to be there with us. I read uh, last week that the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. I love that. Sometimes we treat it like it is. But Jesus says, you know, go and tell people about me if you like, maybe, possibly no. He says, go, go to the ends of the earth, create disciples, make disciples. And that is the vision of this church, always has been, always at the center of it, that we go and make disciples, that we tell people that we're running for Jesus. Why The reason why we have life groups, community groups, triplets, is so that we help each other not look down, but look up. Not look back, but look forwards. Not look to the side, but look forwards. And I know for me that my group do that for me. If I'm having a pity party and I'm looking at my feet, it's look to scripture, look to God. And suddenly things change. Not that life becomes all twinkly, but we know that we have a God who is holding on to us as we hold on to him. There's a Christian athlete called Jennifer Brogdon who wrote this in a, a blog, which I think is just brilliant. The race of faith is life journey for the Christian. Imagine what would happen if we looked to Jesus every single day. Every weight would fall off and every sin would untangle from us. Each look at Jesus would strengthen us to endure and to finish well. He waits for us on the other side. He is our crown and he will be with him forever. Every huff, every twinge of pain, every prolonged day on earth is worth patiently enduring the journey to get to the finish line to get to Jesus. A Christian athlete, so she knows all about training, who is saying in your struggles, in your twinges, in your pains, in your joys, keep looking at Jesus all through the day. Maybe put reminders on our phones, things that actually help us, a wristband, whatever it might be, to help us think I'm running this for Jesus is not about me, it's about him and fixing my eyes on him. Lauren Daigle wrote a brilliant song called Hold On To Me. I'm not going to sing it. It's a, a relief in the room here. Um, but it is beautiful. And here's one of the lyrics from it. She says, when I don't feel like I'm worth defending, when I'm tired of my pretending, hold on to me. When I start to break in desperation under the weight of expectation, hold on to me. Hold on to me, Lord, when it's too dark to see. When I'm sure I've reached the end, hold on to me when I forget I need you. When I let go, will you hold me again? I could rest here in your arms forever because I know nobody loves me better. So hold on to me, hold on to me. 
Paul is saying here is run for a prize, run for a crown, run your life because there is more to come than you could ever dream of or imagine in eternity. And actually, because the trappings of this world get so enticing, we need to keep our eyes fixed on him, fixed on his love for us, and fixed on those around us that we want to share that same grace, that same mercy with. Corrie ten Boom was uh, an embroidery fanatic uh, towards the end of her life. And she used to go round and she used to take one embroidery with her, which was of a crown. But she would always show it the other way round. So when she held it out, all you would see was tangled mess. Have you ever felt like your life is looking a bit like that? Just tangled mess. And she would say, she would hold it up and say, although the threads of my life have often seemed not I know by faith that on the other side of the embroidery there is a crown. So when she was sewing away and all the knots were on one side, when she turned it round, was a beautiful crown. And every time we put Jesus first in our lives, it's like another stitch in that beautiful crown, that crown of glory that we sing about, that crown that is for everyone. And it fits you. It fits you. It's tailor-made. That quotation says, there is a place in heaven that is absolutely perfectly fitted for you. Now, I'm going to change slightly my um, position now because we're going to do a little illustration we're going to do a little illustration that Francis Chan used, and I think years ago was used at Riverside. Um, Thank you. And uh, he basically got a rope. So he got a rope and he showed the red part. And he said, this, if you like, is our life here on earth. And we obsess about it and we worry about it and it seems so real to us like the ant school and we think this is all there is. But he says, actually, why do we focus so much on this little red bit here when my glamorous assistant is now going to show you that there is the whole of eternity ahead that we are running for, that the goal that we run for is, is way, way beyond the years that we're given here on earth. Or if you want to just say, Jesus, for the first time, I fix my eyes on you, that I'm living for you, I'm running for you, Jesus. I'm laying down my past. I'm understanding your grace. I'm forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, which is that goal that calls us heavenward, that faith that Timothy had confessed, that Paul reminds him to take hold of that faith once again for the glory of a heavenly crown.